Thank you, Dustin and Heacher, and welcome, Mercy House. Uh, my name's Pastor Robert, and uh, really glad to, to have you guys on the stream this morning. And uh, also, those of you that maybe this is your first time, also want to welcome you. Uh, encourage that you would join us this morning. Uh, also, want to say Happy Mother's Day to uh, the moms out there that are, are, are celebrating, and but also acknowledge that we know that some. Uh, are grieving on this day for different reasons, uh, some longing to have children or be married, some uh, grieving over relationships with their own mother. So uh, we celebrate, we also acknowledge uh, that uh, this can be a hard day for some. Uh, we want to continue on in the book of Luke. Um, we've been in this sermon series that we've called Follow, and uh, I was thinking about just kind of a simple uh, outline of Luke, and if you think about it in this, this way, I think this is it's probably helpful, but Luke 1 through 9, you see Luke telling us who Jesus is and introducing us to uh, how Jesus wants us to respond. And we find out that Jesus is, is God, that he is our Savior from sin, and he desires to be the king over all of our lives. And the, the punchline of this section is really uh, Luke 9, 23, that we've been reading almost every week, when Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And it almost feels as if you could end the, the, the Gospel of Luke at that point where, okay, we know who Jesus is and we know how we should respond. Uh, but it's not too long after that we see the disciples failing, misunderstanding, and needing really more training. And so the next section, Luke 10 through 18, is really the training of the twelve and then after that, um, chapters 19 to 24 is the last week of Jesus' life leading up to his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And so where we are right now is in that training of the twelve. Um, and so we've, we've heard a little bit about evangelism in this section. We've heard some about prayer last week. And then this week, uh, we want to hear some, some teaching that Jesus gives his disciples about Satan in Luke 11, verses 14 through 26. And Satan's not a very popular topic among modern people like us. We think of him as some sort of ancient myth or symbol, cartoon character in a red suit and a pitchfork. Uh, but the Bible in general, and Jesus in particular, is very clear uh, on the topic of Satan, that he exists and, and that he is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I don't have a lot of time to go back and talk about the origination of Satan and these kinds of questions and it might come up in the questions coming up at the end or maybe something we could deal with during the week. But for our purpose in, in this sermon is that he is a spiritual being who is working along with other spiritual beings known as demons to oppose God and his people. And he is a force uh, to be reckoned with. And there are four truths, uh, at least four truths, in this passage that you just heard read um, that we're going to walk through. So one is Satan is strong. Uh, number two, Jesus is stronger. Number three, we alone are weak. And number four, we in Christ are stronger. So these are our four points. This is, uh, if you're tracking with me, this will help you uh, keep up in the sermon. So the first two points really work together, that Satan is strong, but Jesus is stronger. Now what precipitates this teaching by Jesus is that Jesus is accused of being uh, in league with Satan. He... Uh, uh, is uh, doing a, a healing slash exorcism. It's sort of a two-for-one where he drives out this demon that's in this mute person, and the mute person immediately begins to, to speak. 
And so in, in the first century, there's definitely no argument about whether or not Satan exists. He's, he's alive and well, and he is manifesting in some powerful ways. And so first century people are not arguing over whether or not he exists. They're arguing over who's on team Satan and who's on team God. And so Jesus is exerting spiritual power. And so because of that, these religious leaders that are in opposition to him are trying to say, well, that spiritual power comes from Satan. This is the ultimate uh, demonizing of your opponent, if you will. Uh, Jesus makes this very logical argument against what they're saying. He asks them, why would Satan drive out Satan? That this would be a division in Satan's kingdom. His, his agenda would be undermined. And that not even Satan is that stupid. And then we get this, uh, the, 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 this, this quote that you've certainly heard before, a house divided will not stand. You may have thought uh, Abraham Lincoln coined that, but actually Jesus did, and Abraham Lincoln borrowed it for uh, his uh, speech. Now, then Jesus makes this very bold statement in Luke 11, verse 20. He says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, Jesus is making a logical argument. He's saying if, if Jesus has power over Satan, and Satan doesn't drive out Satan, then Jesus is not on team Satan, but in fact is on team God. And so what they are watching is the very kingdom of God before their eyes. Then Jesus tells the story of the home invasion. This is a little parable. You might not know this parable. It's only two verses, Luke 11, verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. So, odd story. Um, says, sort of once upon a time, there was this very strong man. He owned a house. He was fully armed. He was on guard. Uh, had a lot of confidence that all of his possessions were very, uh, very safe and protected. It reminds me of this little sign that you see actually in the South a lot. Uh, outside different homes, and it, was, it says this, this home is guarded by Smith & Wesson, which is just certainly, uh, if, if you know what Smith & Wesson is, the company that makes firearms. And so it's like this attitude that uh, you better not mess with this house because it is well protected. Well, this is how the strong man feels. The strong man in this parable says, this, is, this house is well protected. Uh, we, kinda, we, we sort of dare you to sort of come and get it. Um, but there's a stronger man in the parable who attacks the strong man, overpowers the strong man, disarms the strong man, and then takes these possessions that the strong man thought were safe away from the strong man. And the point of the parable is that Satan is strong, but that Jesus is much stronger. Jesus is actually the home invader here in this parable. And these are, the again, the first two points in the sermon, that Satan is strong, but Jesus is much stronger. Now, this has been obvious throughout the book of Luke. Uh, we saw this in Luke 4 when Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Jesus withstood those temptations. We saw it in just the driving out of demons. The ultimate demon story is in Luke 8, where there is a legion of demons, and these legions of demons that are in this demoniac in the region of the Gerasenes is begging Jesus not to send them to the abyss. Jesus definitely has much more power than the demonic. We've also heard Jesus talk a little smack about Satan back in uh, the, the previous chapter, chapter 10, 
uh, verse 17, when the 72 returned, these, these disciples that he sent out to do ministry, they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is letting them know he saw Satan get his first installment of judgment and that he has come to earth to finish him off, to steal back these things that are not rightfully Satan's. Things that were stolen in the fall of humanity, whereby Satan tempted humanity and humanity gave away what God had entrusted to them. Jesus is flexing a bit here. After he tells the strong man's story, and he then in Luke eleven twenty three says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Again, think of Jesus' logic. Jesus' power over Satan. Jesus is therefore on team God, and anyone who opposes Jesus opposes God. And they are on team Satan. Jesus says it even more clearly in John chapter 8, verse 44. He's talking to the religious leaders there. He says, You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so we see this, the, the, the strong points of that, that Satan, yes, he's strong. He has some strength, but that Jesus is much stronger. He is revealing the rule and the reign of God uh, in the driving out of these demons. Now, where does that leave us humans? Right? If, yeah, Jesus is stronger than Satan, but what about us? And this brings us to our third point, that, that we alone are very weak in the face of Satan. Jesus tells another parable of home invasion. Luke 11, verse 24 when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So, the parable goes like this. A demon has taken up residence in a person, then it leaves we don't know why, if it just decided to leave or it, 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 it was exercised out of the person. Um, and then after some time, the demon comes back, notices there's no other spirit that's taken up residence. And so instead of just moving back in, gets seven more demons to move in with them. It's a little bit how college rentals work here at Amherst. You know, one tenant signs the lease and promises the landlord, I promise I, I won't bring any of my friends. They, my friends will not live with me. And then get seven college friends later to move in to the one-bedroom apartment and they tear the place apart. Now, what's Jesus getting at? I, I think one of the things Jesus is getting at with this little parable is that human beings are vulnerable to satanic attack. As a human being, if we are not under the care and protection of King Jesus, we are sitting ducks for the, for, for the destructive influence of Satan. We are vulnerable. Uh, this is, this is the, one, of the, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons we entrust ourselves to Savior King Jesus. He has beat the enemies of our souls 
And one of those enemies is Satan. And so Jesus has victory over Satan. He has defeated sin and death and hell. These enemies that we have no power over. Jesus has defeated those. And so by entrusting ourselves to Savior King Jesus, we can have power over Satan. You know, we've had multiple people, and I'm not exaggerating, multiple people that have come to our church through the years looking for relief from satanic attack. Sometimes that's been night terrors. Uh, sometimes that's been waking up with a sensation that, that, that something is smothering them or strangling them. Uh, some see, have seen app, apparitions in their room. Um, but the bottom line is they have come to us uh, scared to death. And I always tell them the same thing. They need to entrust themselves to Savior King Jesus. That Jesus has overcome sin and death and hell at the cross. That at the cross, Jesus has shown that he is stronger than the strong man, Satan. He has busted down Satan's door. He's attacked him. He's disarmed him. He's taken what is rightfully belongs to Savior King Jesus. And so this is the, our only hope in the face of the strong man, Satan, is to entrust ourselves to the stronger man, Savior King Jesus. And when people say, well, no, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want Jesus. I just want help getting away from this demonic influence. I tell them, I can't help you. I can't help you. Because based on this passage, if, if I were to use and the church were to use authority given to them by Jesus to remove one demon from influencing a person, that demon would just return and bring back a whole lot more. And so, so th- this, is, this is serious Serious stuff. And you, as you're hearing me, some of you may be saying, oh, that's what's going on in my life. And, and I want to tell you, you don't need to be afraid. You need to run to save your King Jesus. He has authority, absolute authority, over sin, death, and hell. And entrusting yourself to Him is the only hope that you have for freedom from those enemies of the soul. And uh, Jesus says this in John 10 to just, just describe the contrast between Satan and Jesus. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so this stronger Savior King Jesus is, has come to, to take authority over all things. But that authority is a good authority. And he desires to give us life and life abundantly. Now what about those who've trusted in Jesus? You've entrusted yourself to the Savior King. What about us? Do we have any kind of authority over Satan? Well, actually, we do. We are stronger than Satan if we are in Christ. Again, remember back in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus is talking to the 72, and the 72 uh, say that they return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, again, they're surprised that the demonic is subject to them. They're afraid of the demonic. It's a regular part of their lives, seeing Satan just ravaging the people in the first century, both Jew and Gentile. But listen to Jesus' follow-up comment to that Luke 10 declaration. It says in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and then behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. And so in 18, he's saying, 
God has absolute authority over Satan. I saw him fall like lightning. And then in 19, he says, and I'm giving you that authority. I'm transferring that over to you such that you can, and he uses the image of treading on snakes and scorpions. I'm telling you, I do not like snakes and scorpions. Now, if you grew up in the Northeast, you're like, eh, snakes and scorpions, what's the big deal? But, but in, in the southern part of the United States, where I grew up, snakes and scorpions are a regular part of life, and I, I was scared of them. And you know, I, I think I had good reason to be scared of them. They, they, they have real venom. Like, they can really hurt you. And my mom is like, you know, run, get away from these things. And, and I, re, I have a very vivid memory that, that so one day I'm walking out in the front yard with, with my grandfather and uh, he stops and kind of pushes me to the side a little bit and he says, there's a copperhead, right? If you know anything about snakes, it's, it's a venomous snake. It, it has a, it can pack a punch. And so I'm like getting ready to run and he's like, oh no, wait a minute, just, just, just stay there. And with the heel of his cowboy boot, he stomps on the head of this copperhead. And I was like, wow, my mom did not teach me to do that. I, 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 I was just in awe of my grandfather treading on this venomous snake. But I think it gives us a great picture of our authority over Satan. That yet, he, he does have a bite. Like, he does have strength. But in the strength of Christ, where he belongs is on the bottom of our foot. We tread on him. And so in Christ, we are stronger. So that, that, that brings up a lot of questions, I know. And it's probably not going to be able to get to the, all the questions that you may have. But a couple that came to my mind immediately. One is, okay, well, how do I exercise that dominion? I mean, that's a, that's a cute story about your grandfather and the snake and the tread thing. But, but I mean, how, how do you actually do that in real life? And I, I've actually already dealt with this in an earlier sermon in this series uh, when I preached on Jesus' temptation in the desert, uh, we, we talked, it was, I mean, it was back when, you know, we were preaching those 50-minute sermons, and uh, you can go back, and we'll actually post that this week, uh, so that you can go back to it and, and listen to it again. But the, 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 the short version is, the way you tread on Satan is through prayer and with the truth. Through prayer and with the truth. Um, you see Jesus modeling this when he's in the, the temptation in the desert, right? He, he's praying, he's fasting. This is part of how he's doing war uh, with the enemy. Uh, he teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, deliver us from the evil one. Uh, so, so there he's, he's coaching us up. He's teaching us how to pray in regards uh, to Satan. He teaches the, the disciples when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, pray so that you won't fall into temptation, uh, we see in uh, John 17, uh, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, he says that he prays that they be kept from the evil one. So I see those things and I say, okay, if Jesus prays for that, then I can pray for that. I, I, he's modeling for me how I do spiritual warfare, how I tread uh, on Satan and his influence. Um, there's also truth, right? And you, you heard me read this just a few minutes ago in John 8:44. Listen to it again. As Jesus talks about uh, how uh, Satan attacks, he says, you, you're, you're of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. And then listen to this part. He does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, 
just multiple mentions there of truth and then lies. And this is Satan's only real, his only weapon, really. I mean, is, is lies. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily tell, tell bold-faced lies, because that would be too obvious. That wouldn't be very strategic. Instead, he twists the truth. He's deceptive. He's a, he's a deceiver. And so there's so many little things like this where, where we get convinced. And sometimes this is, is, is our own uh, inward struggle with sin, but it's also oftentimes something uh, demonic that is influencing us. So we, we, might, we might find ourselves convinced that people living outside of God's design for sexuality are okay because they're loving and they're more loving than maybe the Christian couples that, that we know. Or we're convinced that other religions must be equally uh, valid that, as, as Christianity because they're more devout than most churchgoers. And we, we start to, to convince ourselves of some of these things. Or we convince ourselves that the views of our political party are clearly found in the Bible, even though there's no straight line that we can draw from the views. And, and so we start to think this way. And, and again, sometimes that's internal and, and it's our own sin nature, but, but oftentimes it's also influence from the satanic. And so uh, it's such a subtle attack. It's a very deceptive attack. And so the only way to stand up under that, those kinds of attacks is to know the truth. you got to know the truth. And remember when Jesus fought off the enemy in the desert. Uh, when, you know, one example, Satan takes him up on a hill. He shows him all the kingdoms. And he says, you know, you bow down to me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus answers him, it is written, you shall not worship, or you, sh you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And you see Jesus do that three different times in the three temptations. He says, it is written, and he, he fights Satan's temptation with uh, truth. This is, this is one of the things that, that uh, you mothers and certainly fathers uh, do for your children is that you pray for them and you speak truth to them. This, this is the most important thing that you moms do. And, and it's something that we're incredibly grateful for as you fight for the souls of your children. And it is a battle. Right? And, and you're in a battle for your own soul, but then on top of that, you're in the, a battle for the souls of your children. And so you being prayerful for your children and you speaking truth to your children, it, it's more than just, oh, I've got to teach you a few things and help you be a good person. Uh, part of what you're doing is you're in a war for the souls of your children. So we are incredibly grateful for the moms that every day are praying for their kids and are speaking truth to their kids. Now, the second question was, okay, how do you know if you're dealing with a satanic influence situation or it's just kind of run-of-the-mill uh, temptation? And on one level, it doesn't matter. Right? You, you need to pray and gospel yourself, speak truth to yourself, no matter what's happening, whether it's satanic attack or it's something that's going on within uh, your own heart. But even then, know that, that Satan, he, he's an opportunist, right? He's looking for an end, and if you're tired or you're angry or you're despairing, he, he sees a little bit of an opening, and oftentimes it, it's more than just uh, what, what you're experiencing in your own personal uh, heart, and that, that Satan is jumping on that and being a part uh, of that temptation. On another level, it does matter. 
um, it affects how you pray. And so you, you should pray in accordance with uh, some of those things that I mentioned earlier right, that Jesus models for us. I would say pray out loud. Right? Like Satan can't read your thoughts. So I think it's helpful to, to pray out loud when it comes to some of these uh, battles that we fight uh, with the demonic. And reach out to your family, your church family. When you feel like you're in a firefight, uh, sometimes they dissipate really quickly. Other times they ramp up. I've definitely experienced that as well. When I, I realize what's going on and I begin to pray rightly about that situation, it, it's like the enemy turns on the heat and then I need backup. And I, I text people and ask people, would you pray for me? I'm struggling here. And I think it is in part uh, satanic. Uh, ask the Lord to help you. I mean, you, you can always ask him for wisdom for everything, and, and including this. Ask, ask him to help you discern what is going on. Why am I having these thoughts? Why am I struggling with these things? And uh, the Lord is, is more than happy uh, to help you discern uh, what's going on uh, in your situation. So, do we have some other questions? No other questions, okay? Well, feel free uh, to send those along, and uh, we can handle those in a blog post or because I know this oftentimes brings up a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of questions. But know this, that Jesus is stronger. And he's proven that at the cross. That's part of what he was doing. Yes, he was dying for sin, but he, he was also dying uh, to, have to win a victory over Satan. And so entrust yourself to him. Uh, perhaps for the first time this morning, Perhaps just anew, just, just out of the maybe things you've experienced, the fears that you've had, and trust yourself uh, to God. So let's, let's, let's pray along that vein. We're going to ask Austin to come up and guide us in some time of prayer. And uh, let's pray together as a congregation.